Welcome to the Contextual Advertising 101 podcast. If you're an advertising or marketing leader who has heard about contextual advertising but wants to learn more, then this show is for you. Throughout this podcast series, we will bring you a deep dive into some of the core concepts of contextual advertising, as well as interviews from marketing executives and publishers using contextual advertising today. This episode is brought to you by SeedTag, the world's leading contextual advertising company. Contextual intelligence allows you to engage with consumers within their universe of interest on a cookie-free basis. By delivering ads into content, we capture users' attention faster and retain it longer. Learn more and reach out to us at SeedTag.com. Hello, I'm Dal. And I'm Amelia. And we will be your hosts for a six-part podcast series called Contextual 101. During the podcast series, we'll be talking to various people in the digital advertising industry, and we will try to get their opinion on how contextual advertising can help fill the void left with the now slightly delayed upcoming death of the cookie. Um, so before we start, a little bit about me. I'm the Global Head of Programmatic at SeedTag. I've been at SeedTag for about three and a half years now. Um, I've been in programmatic for about 10 in total, um, and always working uh, publisher side, supply side. Um, some companies I've worked at in the past, uh, include Yahoo, Spotify, and the Daily Mail. So my current role, uh, I'm working closely with the country managers in all of our nine markets um, in pushing our programmatic offering and working with various different teams, whether that's sales, marketing, finance, uh, and operations. Great. And a little bit about me. So I am CTAG's Global Head of Growth. Um, we are, in fact, a new team within CTAG, but essentially we connect the departments of product, sales, and marketing and we perform multiple functions. So this can include working on new product development and uh, developing comms both internally, externally with sales and marketing, or working with our sales teams on uh, key strategic client partnerships. So there's a lot that we actually do. And like Dal, we work across all the nine markets at CTAG. But um, I will leave it as saying that our responsibility is to ensure that CTAG is a five-star B2B sales organization that is perfectly coordinated with product and marketing. So moving on to why we're here. So within this episode, we will be simply be addressing the question of what is contextual advertising? So let's jump straight in. So let's start by discussing the background around Cookies Dow. Uh, did you want to give us a short synopsis on this? Yeah, definitely. So I've always been told in life, nothing in life is for free. And I think the same applies to the internet. Um, websites give users content and advertisers fund it by paying for ads and serving them to existing and new customers. There's a very easy value exchange, and as users, we give our data and attention in exchange for free content. This has been largely powered by third-party cookies since in the 1990s. They're an important identifier that tracks internet users across the web, and they help marketers target and measure the effectiveness of marketing campaigns. So then why exactly is contextual making a comeback? I think we need to take it back a bit. So uh, two popular browsers, Safari and Firefox, have, have already third-party cookies by default and Google Chrome um, is going to follow seat now um, as I mentioned it's push, been pushed back so now it's going to be uh, mid to end of 2023 um, but what I think what we need to look at is why is this happening I think I think a simple reason for that is privacy we feel uncomfortable knowing that someone has access to our data and they can use it to manipulate us brands agencies publishers and everyone in between are now scrambling to find an alternative solution to the cookie um, there are a few options out there such as first-party data, walled gardens, and unified IDs, 
But what we're going to try to do this on this podcast will be to focus on contextual advertising, which seems to have made a comeback. Yeah, and I think all of that makes complete sense. I think my point that I'd like to add really is that we need to be aware that contextual advertising uh, really has moved on from the the standard keyword targeting that we know when contextual first started uh, in the digital industry. And actually, the first company that I worked at uh, very much focused on keyword targeting. Uh, but now we have machine learning techniques that really allow us to understand what a page is talking about. So we're now able to pick up nuances in tone of the page, the sentiment of the page, analyze multiple factors in that page. So really extending beyond text analysis and contextual really has truly become advanced. And it's really great to see that advertisers do now see the value of contextual and it is a prominent addition to their media advertising mix. Where do you think contextual advertising is different to behavioral targeting? You know, we've seen behavioral targeting being also used, especially in the programmatic ecosystem for a long time now. Um, So what are the key differences, would you say? Okay, so let's have a quick 101 on behavioral for those of our listeners who need to refresh. So behavioral targeting, aka audience targeting, is the practice of segmenting customers based on multiple factors. So this can include web browsing behavior, monitoring pages customers visited, uh, the searches they performed, links that they've clicked on, products they've purchased. And if you add in mobile and physical store data, this also includes location install purchases. So this aggregation of data means that visitors are then grouped into specific audience segments. And this allows advertisers to target them with specific relevant ads and content based on their browsing and purchase history. So really the key benefit for brands is that this hugely detailed combination can be used to deliver highly relevant personalized advertising at the moment when someone is likely to purchase. So hence we can see why advertisers value this data so much. But I think the difference between um, behavioral and uh, contextual advertising is that simply contextual does not allow the cooking of users. You know, we're very much just focusing on context and what the consumer is reading online that particular time. Yeah, I think I think that's an important uh, difference, really. And uh, I think another thing to mention is that uh, contextual targeting isn't anything new, right? We've been seeing it for a number of years and even long before the Internet launched. Um, we saw it in mediums such as print and television. So it's been around and, and like I said, it seems like it's, it's, uh, there is a comeback coming on for contextual advertising. Um, so Amelia, given your agency background, do brands even care about the death of the cookie? I would say yes, absolutely. So with the pending demise of cookies, this will affect advertisers in a number of ways. So as I just mentioned, cookies are used to track purchases and shopping habits. So this will affect clients from uh, retail to finance to CPG. Uh, Brands won't be able to track users across websites and tailor ads to personal preferences. So really, you're going in blind when targeting consumer and you have no idea if what you're serving to that consumer is relevant, whether it will grab their attention, or even if they want to engage with your messaging. So ad strategies will be impacted, you know, retargeting, sequential targeting, DCO, frequency capping won't be possible, measurement will be more tricky. So post-click and multi-touch attribution won't be possible. So I think by me reeling off that list, they're obviously going to be impacted to uh, you know a fair amount. So advertisers really need to be thinking about the strategies that they will need to employ in the future and whole media strategies will need to be reworked. So um, even with the delay from Google, what I think is that agencies are putting in the work now. So they're creating programs uh, and frameworks to really future-proof their clients' 
when this demise is inevitable. So yes, there is a concern, but we're all doing something about it, which is great. Yeah, I think I think that it's clear that this education is needed, right? And in terms of not only for brands, but as, as users and consumers, um, I mentioned the value exchange, but I think as ad tech leaders, we need to be talking about it a lot more and, and simplifying things. I think in the ad tech industry, we're always overcomplicating things and even uh, new people and students coming into the industry at a young age, um, they might get scared of certain you know, acronyms, the word programmatic, you know, cookies, etc. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely needs to change. And we've already seen that happen. So I, the IAB have a contextual committee and there are many other boards out there that, that involve you know, all of these points that you've already mentioned. So yeah, I think as long as the education's there, various articles we've seen, you know, it seems like every day there's an article about contextual advertising or the death of the cookie or what Google's doing. Um, so as long as I think we're, we're giving back, like I said, not only to the industry, but also to the, the consumer, the users, then I think that will be fine. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So moving on to another question I had of mine. So Dal, who do you think are the winners and losers in this post-cookie era? I think it's a great question. I think we've got to start with Google. Um, <laughs> so clearly, if, if Google weren't going to benefit from the death of the cookie, they wouldn't be rolling that out, right? We know, uh, as I mentioned, um, it's been pushed back now to 2023. I think that just gives them a little bit more time to figure out even on their side what they're doing and, and to make sure that the technology uh, and their offering is strong when they're, when they're approaching brands. Um, so yeah, Google, I think, will be an obvious winner. Um, you know, they'll be working closely with the brands, less so maybe that they maybe want to avoid the agency model or avoid um, the other plays within the, within the industry. So yeah, I think, I think Google's an obvious winner. Alongside Google, other walled gardens like Facebook, you know, we've got to remember, you go into Facebook, you log in, you register, they know exactly what, where you are, where you're from, what language you speak, what you like, what your interests are. Um, so, and, and, the, and the most important thing here is they're not sharing that data with the other publishers out there or, or, or other, other kind of uh, mediators within the industry. So the walled gardens will definitely benefit. You know, another important word to use here is scale. You know, Facebook has scale. So accessing large data as well as scale will only benefit, um, you know, the, 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 the likes of Facebook. Um, Amazon's an interesting one as well. So, you know, we know it's the world's biggest company and uh, they're now making up over 10% of the US advertising. So I can only see that going upwards as well. I think it's also going to benefit the large publishers out there. So you've got such players like Daily Mail, New York Times, The Washington Post. They have access to, again, lots of data, first party data, uh, as well as scale as well. So that what they're going to be doing is packaging their inventory up, uh, potentially overlaying first-party data if they don't have it, uh, contextual segments, um, and they'll be pushing that out to the market. As a result of that, they can also charge more because there isn't that alternative. There isn't that cookie solution where buyers can add in third-party data at a fraction of the price. So uh, I think public, large publishers will definitely benefit from that. And on the flip side, small publishers were more likely to lose out. New York Times is, is a great example here where they used contextual targeting. Um, they have been using it for a while now, but they, they looked at the differences between the revenue between 2020 uh, and uh, 2019 and saw a massive uplift, um, as well as there was a, a Dutch broadcaster called MPO. So there's a couple of publishers that are already pushing contextual. It just seems that in the last year or so that there has been a lot more interest in this solution 
revenue is obviously important, but the brands will care about performance. And not only with CTAG and the kind of studies that we've done and the results that they've shown, but Insider.com also mentioned in a, in a recent article that performance increased for running contextual products versus other products that it sells in market. So I think that's really interesting at how large publishers are, are really winning in this post-cookie era. We've got to talk about unified IDs as well, right? So, you know, the trade desk have been pioneers in this space, working with other SSPs like OpenX, Magnite, Pubmatic. They've all signed up, um, as well as premium publishers like the Washington Post. Um, so that will just bring, bring together many different supply sources within the market with a cookie solution, which is going to be another identifier, identifier like a, a hashed email address. Um, so they're doing really well. Even with the pushback of the Google announcement last week, we did notice that ad tech companies did benefit. Um, so the share price for the trade desk, share price for Pubmatic actually went up, even with Google delaying the rollout um, of, of the death of the cookie. So uh, we're seeing ad tech providers also benefit from um, the cookie-less uh, solution. Um, other ad tech companies, so I think DMPs are the, the big losers here, so especially the ones that heavily relied on uh, cookies, uh, third-party data, working with very, you know, large range of aggregators. Um, so they're definitely losing out. I remember just thinking back to a catch-up I had with a friend who worked at a very big, big DMP about a year ago, and they mentioned they used to have around about 250 million different data points in the UK, um, all based on cookies. Um, and since the conversation about the death of the cookie and, and various browsers um, getting rid of it, um, they said they had about maybe 10 to 15 uh, data touch points. So it drastically reduced. What does that mean? It just means that brands can't find those users on the web like they used to. Um, so yeah, we're, we're seeing that happen. It's going to happen more so. But I think the ad tech companies that will benefit and win in this situation are the ones that have, um, have that cookie solution. And that could be a contextual targeting. That could be a deterministic uh, behavior and, and targeting on that front as well. Um, a good good way to look at it would be looking at the Prohaska Identity Partner List. Um, CTAG, uh, as you know, are on there amongst other other partners within the industry. So that's a good go-to, I would say, to see what other solutions are out there um, away from cookies. Um, so yeah, I think I think various different winners and losers within the the industry um, after the death of the cookie. I think that was a super useful and really insightful overview, Dal. I think. As you mentioned, that there really isn't one standard option uh, to replace a cookie. So when agencies and advertisers are thinking about their marketing mix, I think absolutely multiple different strategies will be used and tested. So thinking about CTAG internally in our clients, so have you found that from a programmatic standpoint that some brands are using um, more contextual targeting than others? Brands were scared of key terms like COVID and pandemic and they were simply just avoiding news articles, the news publishers. So there were, I wouldn't say there was a, an uptake at the start of last year with contextual uh, advertising. But what started to happen is, and definitely what we saw on the, on the CTAG side was people started to, or, or publishers started to publish articles that were positive around COVID. And then ultimately, I, I still remember now when sports restarted, you know, it was everyone was so happy and uh, you know, that there's something else to watch. There's live sports on, on the TV. So um, I think that all had an impact. And slowly, brands also used to start to target and, and run contextual targeting 
in certain environments that they would not have thought of in March 2020. I remember, you know, it, you know, frantically looking for things to do with my one-year-old at home, and you know, remember seeing a Disney Plus ad within an article that was related to you know things to do at home with your children. So yeah, think brands like that definitely did jump in and get in front of the users um, at an important time. I, I wrote an article uh, last year and, and some research that I did was just simply going on Google Trends. And I remember in March, uh, the term, the three keywords, I am bored, it was someone searched, you know, they, they spiked in March. So clearly people were bored, they, were, they needed to find something to do on the internet. And now what was happening was that brands were coming in and really engaging with those users, really resonating with them. Um, you know, some of us, as you, as you know, a lot of people lost their jobs, but the people that still had their jobs had a lot more disposable income. So again, it was a great time for brands to connect with those consumers because they're bored, they're sat at home, they're finding things to do, and they have more income. So what we started to see at the start was your more kind of tech and telco, these types of brands were spending and really using contextual targeting. Then we started to see the Disney Pluses of the world, the entertainment brands, food and drinks and the delivery services, they started to pick up their contextual targeting. And then with sports, I think what we saw was just this massive uplift. A lot of users that previously didn't watch football were watching football to just take them away from you know, the news at five o'clock on, on, on the BBC to take them away from all the misery that was happening in the world. Um, so I think, I think this is such an important time to use contextual targeting because it takes you, you know, it, it's that moment targeting. You're right there in that moment. You're reading something really positive and that could be sports, that could be recipes at home. And you're, and you're, you're allowing that brand to, to really go in and have a conversation with that user. Um, your, the Euros are a great example right now. You know, England won yesterday, so <laughs> trying to trying to keep my calm. But the Euros are another great way. Like now, imagine how positive everyone is feeling to go on Sky Sports, to go on BBC Sports, and 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 reading this amazing content, this positive content. And how better would it be for brands to then engage with that user in that mindset? So yeah, now we're seeing a lot more brands working, uh, and I think you know, in terms of Back to your question, are there some brands, I think now there's potentially most brands now are, we're, we're, we're working with travel brands, we're working with finance, food, drink, FMCG brands, and they're all using contextual advertising because it's a scalable solution to really connect with that user. How about in terms of any case studies internally and, uh, and more on the CTAG side of things, Amelia, have you seen that some of the advertisers on our side have also turned to contextual? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, my job where I work closely with the product and data science teams and we and we sell data driven content strategies to our clients, we really see an uptake in uh, clients turning to us because they are really concerned about the demise of cookies. Like some of the markets that we work with and the clients we work with have previously employed a straightforward audience only behavioral targeting only strategy. So they're really having to rethink about what it is that they should be doing moving forwards. But it's our job to prove that contextual works. And whilst I may sound a little bit biased here, to me, CTAG and contextual and the, the contextual solutions that we offer really do make sense because we are delivering advertising and brand messaging based on cons content consumption habits. And 
This is a sound strategy. So we're really proving that through a data-driven content strategy and the research that we're providing and the measurement that we're providing to our clients means that we're able to drive higher brand favorability, higher brand and message recall, and a high propensity to drive engagement and purchase intent. So I really think that clients are turning to us and they're very much looking to us as a, um, a strategy solution and a, a tailored partner to help them through this time. And from the programmatic side of things, I look at our programmatic dashboard every morning and we can cl- I can clearly see that there's been a massive shift from um, buyers relying on our data, so our contextual data, whereas in the past it might have been you know, serving a campaign, serving a PMP, run of network on the buy, uh, on the supply side, and on the buy side, various different cookie related targeting would be added. Um, so yeah, I've definitely seen that change, and 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 I think I will continue to see that where brands and agencies will be relying on the data of the media owner, whether they're a publisher or a um, ad tech vendor. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's definitely an interesting point to add as well. What examples, Amelia, would you say that you've seen? of great contextual strategies being employed? I think this is a really good question. To me, what springs to mind immediately is uh, auto client. So a number of the automotive brands that we're working with are thinking about sustainability. They're all bringing out uh, a hybrid or electric car. They're focusing on uh, new mobility solutions, but really, you know, in this fight for attention and to remain front of mind of our target consumers, how can they how can they fight for that you know, first position? So we are offering, as I mentioned before, data-driven strategies that allows our brands to position themselves um, in key contexts uh, online. So any uh, environment related to sustainability, to innovation, disruption, clean energy. But it's not just about obvious positioning. It's also about positioning yourself within context that will enhance your position and how you're wanting to be perceived. So for instance, if you're trying to be seen as innovative or you know luxurious you need to be thinking outside the box and um, attracting not only your standard consumers and your target audience but also driving consideration with new and unconsidered customers because i'm sure in the grand scheme of the world wide web there's always going to be a limited amount of inventory related to you know a certain topic but really what we're trying to do is say hey you know position yourself in this area but also consider these territories as well which were closer related to your core values so actually we're seeing a lot of automotive clients employ the strategy with positive results in addition to that it's worth mentioning you know we've seen a lot of contextual targeting over the past year year and a half um, not only with CTAG but with with uh, many other providers or publishers out there but I think what's important is to also also talk about the con- the creative and how that can be built to uh, mimic the environment that it's in. I've got an example where we were working with a very big tourism board last year and they had changed the creative depending on the environment that it was in. So they wanted to target business travelers, family holidays, you know, couples, and the creative changed. I, th- I think in the past we've had a, a one-size-fits-all approach and, and that's just simply not good enough in my, in my eyes because you can't serve the same ad in 10 different contextual environments, right? I think that definitely needs to change as well. I completely agree. You know, if a client may have a brand, I'm thinking about an automotive client as well, but may have different targeting 
um, different audience segments they're wanting to target. You know, you, you can't be using the same uh, creative for each one. And I think especially if you're trying to speak to certain values or um, you know, conquest uh, competitive environments, you need to be thinking about what is it that I'm trying to convey within that creative? You know, what is going to actually drive the most impact and tension? So I completely agree with you that contextual creative is incredibly important. So does contextual targeting simplify the methodology of serving ads? I think this is quite an interesting question. I think it does. Not taking anything away from brands, I, I know brands have heavily invested in-house to get these programmatic experts or um, ad tech experts um, that bring that technical expertise in-house. And, and the reason for that was because it's such a murky ecosystem. There's so many different players. There's a lot of different data points. There's different ways to target users. And, and, and it sometimes can get it can, it can get too much for, for, for brands as well as us, as well as agencies. You always have to keep on top of your toes. But I think with contextual, it's just, it's just very easy to explain. And, and I always look at it like this. So I talk to friends and family outside of work all the time, and they're, they're always asking, you know, well, what do you do as a job? And you talk about programmatic advertising or um, contextual advertising. And they're like, oh, no, you're, you're that person that's tracking me across the web. And and targeting me with you know flights that I've uh, bought tickets for already, um, and and I think that's coming back to the education bit that I mentioned earlier is we're, we're guilty of just accepting it and saying yes yes that that that's us. But what we need to be doing is no actually you know there's such a simpler way that you can look at advertising and and contextual is is that it's targeting users in that mindset in that mind frame what are they consuming it doesn't have to do, be editorial content. It could be listening to a podcast. It could be listening to your favorite playlist, you know, when you're out for a run. The brands then have a really great time to capture that attention and targeting that user at that given point in time. So I think it is very simple. I think sometimes in our industry, we can make things simple. We don't have to overcomplicate things. I think we'll give uh, a really good future for everyone is if we can simplify things and, and, and basically run more contextual advertising. Yeah. I completely agree. So I think we're now out of time. Hopefully our listeners would have found this episode interesting and given you guys some food for thought. So whether or not you're a vendor, an advertiser, or someone who just simply wants to know more about contextual advertising, uh, I'd like to mirror some of the thoughts that Dad's echoed um, or echo some of his thoughts and just say that by contextual advertising, contextual targeting, and you know, really does work for advertisers who are wanting to connect with their consumers and drive attention. So if you think about how many content choices we have available to us and the fact that we are rapid consumers of content, unless you're being served with an ad that is directly connected to what you're reading at that particular time, the chances are likely that you're less likely to be engaged with that ad. So really employing contextual strategy is important when delivering your messaging in a privacy and customer-centric way and thinking about actually placing your customers' needs above your own. So... I hope you found today's podcast interesting and informative and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Contextual Advertising 101. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. To see all the show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, head over to seedtag.com slash 101. This episode is brought to you by Seedtag, the world's leading contextual advertising company. Contextual intelligence allows you to engage with consumers within their universe of interest on a cookie-free basis. 
By delivering ads into content, we capture users' attention faster and retain it longer. Learn more and reach out to us at seedtag.com.